Luke 2, 8 to 18. Maybe you guys read this yesterday with your families or on Christmas Eve. Or maybe you were pagans and read the night before Christmas instead. But regardless, I kid, I kid, come on. Regardless, there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. I'm reading from the message this morning. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. And at once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's go to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. This is the word of the Lord. We are, of course, right smack in the middle of two huge holidays in this country. We, yesterday was Christmas Day, and of course, n- next week is, is New Year's Day. And I want to talk this morning about how these two holidays tie together. But first, I, I have to talk about these delightful people in the nativity story, the shepherds. Because they have absolutely no business being in this story at all. Yet, if you think about it, as shepherds, they were very likely teenagers or maybe even younger. They were probably poor. There was nothing remarkable about them that we know. The care of sheep was, was never a high and lofty position in the ancient world. They, uh, they were, you know, just think of the story of David. They had the runt out watching the sheep. That was very common. They were out there leading these dumb animals to wherever there might be green grass, staying out there night after night after night. It's probably a boring job and a thankless job. And then one night, bam! A blinding light, a terrifying messenger, and a searing choir in the sky. And, and then the baby born, the baby himself, I mean, lying in a manger, and next to him, the, the, the mother and father, what is going on with these lights? Mother and father uh, with coy smiles on their faces, like, like they know a divine secret, like they're witnesses to the cosmic irony that the emperor of a billion sons sleeping in a horse's breakfast. These shepherds got front row seats to the greatest miracle the world had yet seen, God becoming man. And and all of heaven's celebration were reserved only for them. The rest of Bethlehem didn't see it. 
Jerusalem slept in their beds, blissfully unaware of the great power shift that was taking place in the fabric of creation itself. Rome had no idea, uh, Rome had no idea that the emperor would soon be challenged. The Herod only found out when three astrologers came bumbling into town. The pageantry of the birth of a king, the great celebration, all the joy and fanfare was reserved for these lowly shepherds. Nobody else even saw it. I don't know why specifically these three were chosen. I, I've often thought maybe God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. Now, maybe because of David. Or maybe because he himself was a shepherd. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was that, but even then, why these ones? Uh, we seem to always have three in our Christmas pageants. I'm not sure why. Three shepherds. Why, why was it these three? I mean, shepherds in general, yes, but why, why Harry and Eli and Jennifer? Like, what was it about these guys? They, they probably spent their entire life asking that very question. Why us? And whatever the reason, one thing is clear. Whatever the reason, there's no way, there's no way they could be the same after that. There's just no way. I, how, do you, how do you recover? Now, how could you go on with boring old existence, you know? Like, would the night sky let you down after that? Like, every time you look up at the constellations, you, you think of that one time when everything erupted with the brightness of a hundred suns, you know? Like, and what about music? Would music be forever ruined? Like, who would even care to hear some, like, joyful wedding song? Or, or the voices of, uh, I mean, even like a, a, a beautiful psalm, a, a mournful psalm. I mean, you, you heard angels singing in 38-part harmony. Like, how could, how could that ever be the same? Or maybe I have it backwards, you know? Like, maybe... Maybe from that point on, uh, every night sky would bring wonder. Maybe it would bring it back, you know? Every night sky, you'd think, boy, did I live through something. I don't know. Maybe every piece of music became a reminder that there exists a beauty that is so overpowering it's worth living for. Whatever the case, I think that night for the, sh uh, uh, for the shepherds, and it, it had to become the new reference point for their lives, you know? The time before that night and the time after. Because when you've seen all that, you can't just go on. You have to start again. There's a difference between going on with the normal and starting again. And incidentally, that's exactly what history itself did. I, I went to a Christian school growing up and... There was, a time, there was always a timeline on our walls in the classrooms. And you count down, and then you see a cross right in the middle, and you count up. And it would say this every time, Jesus Christ, the focal point of all history. See, when Christ came, it, that, it was such a monumental event. He, he didn't just create a holiday. It folded the entire timeline in two. Christmas divides B.C., before Christ, 
to AD, which is Latin, Anna Domini, which means, uh, uh, which means the year of our Lord. And even if, even if you rename it like some have today of CE or BCE, which means before common era, and CE, which means common era, even if you call it that, you're still acknowledging the fact that something very uncommon happened. Something fresh and different. The original Christmas became the hinge of all history. The birth of Jesus Christ was so significant that time couldn't just go on. It had to start again. And that brings us to today. Christmas and New Year's, like we said, are just a week apart. And for whatever reason that is, uh, just as the original Christmas was a hinge for history, our Christmas comes at the hinge of a new year every year. Now you might be saying, okay, look, there's no evidence whatsoever that Jesus was born on December 25th, and you're exactly right. And it doesn't really matter when. You might also, you know, be a little squeamish about the fact that we celebrate it here because there have been pagan festivals that were celebrated, like winter solstice and things like that. You might you might say, I don't like this so much. Christianity has, or Christmas has pagan roots. And I say, I know, isn't that awesome? <laughs> something was planted, something not good was planted and it was uprooted and now we worship Jesus instead. Yeah. That's really good news, you guys. It makes me want to go after all the pagan holidays. Let's just get them all. Where, where are they? Let's start feast then, you know? I saw somebody on Twitter saying, Toyotathon, we're coming for you. <laughs> It's amazing, you know? We're going for Amazon Prime Day. That's right. And eventually, eventually, the mother of all pagan holidays, Black Friday. <laughs> I kid, kind of. <laughs> but I digress. These, the fact that these two are back-to-back -back isn't based on history. That's okay. It's based on tradition. But I am really glad they're back-to-back because -back there's goodness here. There's, there's poetry in it. See, the fact is, we live through a long 12 months, you know? And right at the end, what do we do? We celebrate the birth of the one who makes all things new. That's very appropriate. Because we need to start over. We need to start again. And we need to do it often. <laughs> In the kingdom of God, all things will be made new. Now, how do we prepare for that newness? That's the question. A new heaven and a new earth. How do we prepare for that? Because this is a difficult thing to do. Like, you might think, okay, we love new things. I mean, this is why we like Christmas presents, right? Like, oh, we love getting new stuff. But the fact is, many of us have a very difficult time letting go of old things. I bet you do too. Let me ask you this question. How many times has, have you relived a difficult conversation that you had with a loved one this year? How many times you, re you relived something where somebody posted something and it just kind of burned you up inside? How many times have you relived things that soured in your stomach, you know? We have a hard time letting go of ugly actions, even our own ugly actions. We tend to live in the past sometimes. And holding on to past regrets and resentments is the natural way of things. 
You know that? It's, it's kind of natural, you know, to brood over our hurts. It's natural to avoid the people who anger us. It's only natural to tattoo those hurts on our arms. But see, Christ calls us to do something supernatural. He came to upturn that stuff. He came to make all things new. The old has gone, the new has come, and you are a new creation. Maybe you think, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're in Christmas, not Easter. And, and I get that, but the fact is, the incarnation, God becoming man, the, the cross leans on, on the incarnation. It's because of Christmas that Easter has rocked the world. Christ didn't come as a weathered, bitter old man with a bunch of resentments. Christ came as a baby. Jesus was not bitter. Bitter people hold on to resentments, and I don't think he did that. Neither are we to be bitter people who hold on to resentments. Now, I know there are things we have to confront in one another sometimes, and, and we talk about those things often. I think we've done a, a, a pretty good job of that, of consistently coming back and saying, do you need to, to, to talk to somebody who's hurt you, who's hurt other people? Because those conversations are very, very necessary. But I think there's other times when conversations actually don't need to happen. Sometimes there are just things where, where it's not like a sin issue. It's just an issue of plain resentment and something inside of our own hearts. Not everything needs to be talked about in that way. In fact, there's sometimes there's something going on in your heart towards somebody else that you should not talk to them about because they don't even know that you feel that way. So I've had this happen to me several times. People will come up and said, you know what? I just want to apologize because I, I didn't like you. <laughs> like, I had something against you, and I'm really sorry. And I'm like, gosh, I thought we were good. I really wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> Sometimes the work is just in our own hearts. And frankly, we've had a ton of opportunities for that to happen this year, you know? You've had a lot of opinions over the past two years. It's been a tough past years, hasn't it? You have had a lot of opinions about the way that you think things should be. And that's okay. It's okay to think you're right. That's what an opinion is. It means I think something and I think I'm right. Nobody has an opinion that they don't actually believe. So it's okay that you have an opinion. Don't be a jerk about it. Have humility and know that you could be wrong. But the fact is, you've had a lot of opinions. You may have shared those opinions, and you may not have. And let's just say you haven't. Let's just say you've been really good about watching your tongue and about, about being kind to people in person, being kind to them online. Let me ask you, though, how has your heart dealt with those who have vocally shared opinions opposite to your own? How has your heart dealt with those people? Have you bristled inside? Has that been a bit of a gut punch in thinking about them? Whether it's a family member or just somebody in your life. Maybe it's just an acquaintance. Maybe it has nothing to do with any of the hot button issues that we all know and don't even need to be listed. Vaccines, masks, closures, everything else. I just listed them. <laughs> maybe, it has nothing, maybe it doesn't do that. Maybe it was just the interpersonal relationships. And, and there's been something that's just like held on and you keep reliving this moment where they said this thing or they put this thing out and you're like, ah. And it's just in there, you know? 
Now, it might need to be a thing that you talk to them about, but it might be something entirely inside your own heart. Whatever the case, we have a golden opportunity here as Christmas and New Year's collide. That's the opportunity to let go. To let go of those resentments. To let our own heart be swept up in the newness of Christ's gift to the world. We have the opportunity not just to go on, but to begin again. This brings me back to the shepherds. When they left the manger scene in Bethlehem, uh, they went out and they told everyone. They, they were the first evangelists. You know that? The first evangelists were the shepherds. They're going out and they're telling everyone, a new king is born, Christ has come, we saw him. And we heard these angels and everyone like heard them and went, wow, that's incredible. They were the first evangelists. Well, our world has been reborn. Again, Christ has come. We spent the last few weeks reflecting on Advent, you know, talking about things like, like peace and hope and joy and love. Like we, we, we talked about those things and, and now we celebrate his actual arrival. He has come and we become like those shepherds. See, it's the same message, isn't it? Christ has come to make all things new. He is here. Now, how do we just go on as if nothing's happened? Christ has come. How do we go on? We can't just go on. We dare not just go on as if nothing has happened. We must start again. We must start fresh. It's a new year. It's a new day. Can we pass out communion elements back there? They have been lovingly prepared for all of you. Just hold on to them when you get them. This morning... Maybe you're watching out in internet land somewhere far away from the Willamette Valley and do not know that we have some magical weather outside. We don't usually get much snow, if any, in the winter, but this morning we all woke up to a blanket of beautiful white snow. And I'm really surprised because I expected about five of you here this morning. You guys really showed out. Good job. Good job. <laughs> but I know the roads are crazy and... and uh, so bless you if, you if you stayed home this morning. It's, uh, but it's a beautiful day out. It's, it's just gorgeous. And, and I live close to the church, so I came up really early, and, and it was still dark. And I could see history right in front of me. I could see that two people took a walk really early. It was like before 6.30. And, and one of them had a cane, evidently. You could see it all. You could see the prints right in the snow. And... and I thought to myself, you know, it's funny, in a couple of hours, this is going to be all new. This history will be wiped away because <laughs> there's going to be fresh snow coming. And fresh snow, like mercy, will let the sidewalks begin again. Jeremiah said this in the book of Lamentations. He said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new today. Are your mercies new today? You might think, okay, well, we can let go of resentments every day, right? Well, like, why, why are we picking today as an opportunity to do this? And, and it is true. We, could, we can. In fact, we have that opportunity every morning to just let go of our resentments. But this is one of the great things about having themes like this that we come back to every single year because 
well, we just sometimes forget. <laughs> we sometimes forget. And here we are again talking about the new kingdom, about the new king, about a new year and an opportunity to make all things new. The birth of Christ and New Year's Day, those, those two together afford us a chance to remember and to focus on this thing. Christ came to make all things new. And he's even given us a beautiful white morning on which to build new hearts free of resentment. We can't just go on, friends. We have to start again. Thank you, sir. That was well-timed, too. Perfect. Here's a question. Are you ready to let go of your resentments? Let's look at these elements here in our hands. You know what they represent. The blood and the body of Christ given for us for the remission of sins. They represent the new covenant between God and man, but they also make possible peace between us. Peace and grace and forgiveness. So with these in our hands, let's pray for our own hearts, okay? you close your eyes? Lord, you see our weaknesses and you see our resentments. Please forgive us, Lord, for holding on to resentments. I'll have you guys repeat after me if you want to do that. I'm just going to pray what we just prayed, okay? Lord, you see my weaknesses. You see my resentments. Please forgive me for keeping them. I've been holding them for too long, and I don't want to hold them anymore. I release them. And I choose to let them go. With our eyes still closed, I want you to picture that person who you love, but who you've held resentment toward. I want you to look at them in your mind's eye and pray a blessing over them. And not a blessing like, Lord, change them so they're more likable. (laughs) People do that with their leaders all the time. It's not a real prayer. Lord, let them believe like I do. That's not a real prayer. Lord, I speak a real blessing. You can repeat after me if you want. Lord, I know you love this person. I pray that you would prosper them. I pray they would be full of your joy. That they would have laughter and peace. Now, let's take these elements. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Thank you for new hope. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that you who began a good work are gonna be faithful to complete it. Thank you for your new mercies which you have in store for us today. We receive them. Do you receive them? We receive your new mercies. Thank you, Jesus, for your new mercies. Let's take the, the, the bread together. Lord, we receive your forgiveness and we receive your grace to love like you do and start again. You receive that, guys? Let's take it together. You guys, 
That's all I have for you this morning. The Lord has given us an opportunity to start again, to love like he does. And I hope that you'll embrace that. I really want to embrace that myself. I'm preaching to myself this morning as well as you guys. So I want you guys to be blessed and I want you to enjoy this beautiful day and have a wonderful, wonderful Merry Christmas. We love you guys very, very much.